0: Welcome, you are listening to Mountain View Scattered. This is an audio companion to our weekly church gatherings. It is a way to stay connected while you are away and to learn more about our community, how we can best reach and serve it. I'm your host, Wade. Okay, picture this with me. Now, you're probably going to think that I'm very spoiled Okay, so I'm going to ask for your forgiveness right now before I even get started, okay? Um, I had a really great dad growing up, okay? And my dad, my dad liked to spoil me. Um, in fact, once a week, we would get to go to McDonald's for breakfast, okay? Um, I had the freedom. He had a, a big piece of land that his gearbox shop was on, and I could just roam, and I could take all the old parts and pieces that I wanted and make instruments of destruction. Okay? And, and he didn't care. He didn't care. I, I remember, I think I was four or five years old when he gave me my first razor blade that I, I could cut up boxes and do things with. And I loved it. I loved it. And you know why my dad did all this for me? He did all this for me because he loved me and he did all this for me. Uh, because he loved to see me doing all these things, right? Like, he enjoyed watching me eat McDonald's, which is something I wouldn't have understood until I had kids, okay? He enjoyed watching me take all these old pieces of junk and turn it into something that looked like nothing, okay? And he would let me, and he got excited by the fact that I'd actually listened to him when he taught me knife safety, Okay? But all this to say, that just picture if I retold that whole story and I left my father totally out of it. So when I was a kid, and it's just about me then, right? I went to McDonald's once a week. I got to eat breakfast. I got to make all this cool stuff. I got a knife and I got to do things with it, okay? That story sounds a lot different. In fact, what have I done there? I've forgotten the one that gave me these good gifts, these exciting things, and instead I'm only thinking about the gifts, right? Well, last week when we started this journey, this short journey through Isaiah, we saw that this was the same problem that God's people were having. They confused the good gifts and the blessings that God had given them for God himself. And they thought, just maybe, that if they paid lip service, if they told God what He wanted to hear, and if they killed the nicest animals for Him, then He would just leave them alone, right? They were going to worship Him the way that they wanted to. They were going to fit Him into their schedule while they were busy making bank, piling up gold and silver, as we see in the text, as they're... Uh, taking over pieces of land as they're strategizing to try to protect themselves from outside nations. And this becomes a problem. They get lost in their sin. But the big idea that we see for the book of Isaiah, we said it last last week and we'll say it again this week, sin leads to judgment. We could leave it right there and we could say that that is true For any time, any place, okay, sin leads to judgment. But here's the beauty. This is also good at any time, in any place. But God saves sinners. Sin leads to judgment, but God saves sinners. So last week, we looked at that judgment, God's judgment on his people. We saw... God's people confusing the good gifts and the blessings that they had received for God himself. We saw that they decided they were going to give the best of their worship to him when the actuality is they had confused their expectations about what God would give them for God himself. They Remembered that God blessed them with a promise, but they didn't remember that God required something of them in that promise. Last week, we also looked at the fact that when we read through Isaiah, or really when we read through any text of scripture, we are confronted with our sin. It just so happens that in the first chapter and these next four chapters that we're going to look at today, we are strongly confronted with our sin we're strongly confronted with the fact that what we do falls far below what God wants for us and wants us to be doing one description that we skipped over last week was the fact that God had planted grapes and he had tended them and he cared for them and we're going to see this carried over this week But the grapes, instead of being able to be used as a blessing for God's people, they grew wildly and they did whatever it was that they wanted to do. In that, we even see at the end of chapter one that God says that they were growing in the wrong garden. (laughs) Uh, These pictures that we see throughout all of Isaiah of vines and gardens and the confusion about what kind of vine you're supposed to be and and what kind of garden you're supposed to be living in, all of these things should take us to some pictures that Jesus paints for us in the New Testament, but should also be taking us back to Adam and Eve, taking us back to the place where God had first planted his people. And we looked at that last week too. A key theme that we're going to be focusing on is that really the Old Testament in many ways, talks throughout about God's people being in a place that He created for them to be in and under His rule and authority. And Eden is the perfect picture of that. But carried over again, we see God speaking through Isaiah to say, you've planted yourselves in the wrong garden. You've been growing in the wrong place. So that's picking up the pieces for the most part. One thing that we also need to go over from verse 9 of chapter 1. If the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, we should be like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. We talked about the whole Sodom and Gomorrah part, but we didn't talk about the survivors here. Who are these survivors? And we're going to see this play out throughout the rest of the book. And it's a a strange word because it's Seems like it's hard to say. The remnant, a group of God's people that are in God's place under his rule. Okay? All right. So this week, though, we don't just get to talk about judgment, as exciting and as fun as that is, we also get to talk about salvation. Judgment and salvation for God's people. And in fact, many ways, salvation that is going to come through judgment. Salvation that will only come through judgment. So, if you have a Bible and it's open, great. Why don't you turn to Isaiah chapter one? We're going to finish off one thing and then move on. Verses 26 to 27. And I will restore your judges as at first, and your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, you shall be called the city of righteousness the faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed by justice and those in her her who repent by righteousness. These were two words we looked at last week. We're going to keep looking at this week. Justice and righteousness. Two parts of God's character that cannot be separated from Him and two things that God expects from His people. So that's almost the good news, okay? That's some pretty good news that God will call a people righteous, that he will make a city holy. Notice it's not the city making themselves holy. It's not the city making themselves righteous. Well, let's go on to chapter 2 and we'll read verses 1 through 5. And here's some real good news after last week, okay? The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem, it shall come to pass in the latter days, But you need to remember that phrase now, latter days. It sounds strange because we haven't heard anything about any days yet. We haven't heard anything about previous days or days now, but Now, we're talking about latter days. Days sometime in the future. That the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be lifted up above the hills and all the nations shall flow to it. Like a river, the nations are going to flow to this mountain. Except for it's going to be difficult, right? Or maybe not, (laughs) that these nations are going to be flowing uphill to the top of this mountain. And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that He may teach us His ways, and that we may walk in His paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations, and shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares, and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk together in the light of the Lord. In chapter 1, we saw an invitation from God that said, come, let us reason together, except for that was a little bit more hostile because God was saying, come, let us reason together so you can see how guilty you are. But here we have two more invitations to come. And take note that these, are, these invitations are to nations, right? Literally all kinds of people flowing to this place where God lives, where we can meet God. Where his law goes forth. So this word law here, if we were reading it in the Hebrew, it would be Torah. We could literally just say it like this, the words of God. The spoken, every word of spoken truth that comes out of God's mouth. We can think about the law in the Old Testament. We can think about Deuteronomy. We can think about Leviticus, and that's true, but it's also more than that. It's also more than that. We are told that we will be taught the ways of the Lord and that we will walk in his paths. That there will be peace. That everyone will have no reason to have a sword. They would only have reason to plant and to harvest. Which is blessing, right? Right? And everyone will be walking in the light of the Lord. All the issues that we are faced with in chapter 1 and that we're going to see that we are faced with in chapters 2 through 5, we're no longer faced with. Everything has been brought to light. Judgment has been made. God is with His people in a place that He has created for them, that He has established for them. We are under his authority at that time. But we don't just get to stop there. Because judgment and salvation are like a coin, right? So picture a five-rand coin. You have a front and you have a back. And judgment is one side and salvation is the other So, we've seen a small picture of good news here. But let's look at the other side of that coin, starting verse 11 of chapter 2. The haughty looks of man shall be brought low, and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. For the Lord of hosts has a day. Okay? (laughs) He will be exalted in this day. The Lord of hosts has a day. If we were going go on to verse 20, we would see again Isaiah saying, in that day. What are these days? What is this day that is being talked about? And as Isaiah continues, we're going to see that this is the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. And here's the beautiful part of it, though. It's two sides to a coin, right? This day of the Lord brings judgment. This is what God is speaking through Isaiah to his people about, that there is judgment coming, and yet, what is on the other side of that judgment? For those that are called righteous by God, it is salvation. It's salvation. Let's go on to chapter 3 real quick. Sorry, I I am going to have to move quickly in order to get us through, but we are going to come back and and look at a couple more things as well that we have to skip over for right now. And then here in chapter 3, after we have this declaration of salvation, we have this declaration of judgment that is coming we see that things are really starting to fall apart. Actually, in verse 20 in, of chapter 2, "...in that day mankind will cast away their idols of silver and gold, their idols of gold, which they made for themselves to worship, to the moles and to the bats, <laughs> to enter into the caverns of the rocks and the clefts of the cliffs, from before the terror of the Lord, and from the splendor of His majesty." When he rises to terrify the earth, stop regarding man, in whose nostril is, is breath. For of what account is he? Right here we see God saying that we see Isaiah saying that. Look, one day the gold that you have been blessed with, uh, you're going to see the true value of that gold, and it's not much. Okay. It, It's going to be given away to wild rodents that have no use for it. But continuing in chapter 3. For behold, the Lord God of hosts is taking away from Jerusalem and from Judah support and supply. This doesn't sound good. Why doesn't this sound good? Well, there was a promise that God made to his people. Made it over and over again with very similar words. He said, I will be your God and you will be my people. But here, the Lord God of hosts is taking away from Jerusalem and from Judah support and supply. Literally, we could say that, look, you are not going to be protected from outside nations by me anymore your grain will not grow and you will not be able to produce bread anymore. All the support of bread and all the support of water, the mighty man and the soldier, the judge and the prophet, the diviner and the elder, the captain of 50 and the man of rank, the counselor of the skillful magician and the expert in charms, and I will make boys their princes and infants shall rule over them. And the people will oppress one another, every one his fellow and every one his neighbor. The youth will be insolent to the elder and despised to the honorable. This doesn't sound good. Going on, it says, anyone that looks like they could be a leader, if they have a fancy enough jacket to be a leader, everyone says, fine, you be our leader, okay? We can't handle this anymore. God is taking away all structure of the society here. He's picturing, he's painting for us a picture of there being no support coming from God. Why? Because God's people have turned away. We see this in verses 8 through 15. Because, for Jerusalem has stumbled and Judah has fallen because their speech and their deeds are against the Lord, defying His glorious presence. For the look on their faces faces bears witness against them. They proclaim their sin like Sodom. They do not hide it. Woe to them. Tell the righteous that it shall be well with them, for they will eat the fruit of their deeds." Right? So remember now, we have this picture of wild grapes growing. And Isaiah saying to the righteous, here's another little glimpse of good news here in verse 10. Tell the righteous that it will be well with them, that they will eat good fruit. Right? They will eat good fruit, but woe to the wicked. You shall be ill with them. For what his hands have dealt out shall be done to him. They also will eat the fruit of their labor. And that looks very different. Now, we've heard language like this before. Uh, we have. And you, you know it. You know it. We were to go. You don't have to. But Luke chapter 3 verses 8 to 9 Bear fruits in keeping with repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree therefore that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. What's happening here? Right, Jesus is actually... Or, It's actually being said here that um, if Abraham doesn't have children that are going to listen, then God will make children from Abraham that will listen. And every tree that doesn't bear good fruit will get cut down, and every tree that does bear good fruit will bear good fruit, right? Right? Galatians 2, chapter, or Galatians 5, 22 to 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. We know this, and there are other fruit that we see in the New Testament that each of us should be growing. But what happened with God's people here? Remember now, they, they turned away from the Lord. They ignored him. They despised him. And what does it say the fruit of that is going to be? Each one will be taking advantage of his neighbor. What is the, the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. If we miss the first one, we miss the second one. And then finally, in John chapter 15, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So this picture of a vine, this picture of fruit, runs deep in Scripture. And we could be reading Isaiah now, and we could be saying to ourselves, "Wow, yeah, Israel, oh, they were struggling, but we don't have that freedom." This is here to help us examine ourselves as well. Now, ladies, this one is not just for you. The men have to listen too. But there's a lot of talk of women in here, okay? Uh, Starting in chapter 3, verse 12, we read this My people, infants are their oppressors, and women rule over them. Wait a second. What is Isaiah trying to say about women? Like, they're not good enough to do something? No. No, that's not exactly what he's saying, okay? We're going to come back to that in just a second. Oh, my people, your guides mislead you, and they have swallowed up the course of your paths. Paths that we should be walking the paths of the Lord, but instead, someone else has swallowed up those paths and is drawing out new paths for us, right? The Lord has taken his place to contend. He stands to judge peoples. The Lord will enter into judgment with the elders and the princes of his people. It is you who have devoured the vineyard. The spoil of the poor is in your houses. What do you mean by crushing my people by grinding the face of the poor, declares the Lord God of hosts? And the Lord said, Beware the daughters of Zion who are haughty, and walk with outstretched necks, glancing wantonly with their eyes, mincing along as they go, tinkling with their feet. Therefore the Lord will make will strike with a scab the heads of the daughters of Zion, and the Lord will lay bare their secret parts and we see here just reversal after reversal, after reversal. What I mean by that is this coin is constantly getting flipped. People that thought that they were saved and safe and living as though they were safe suddenly realize that they're on the other side of this coin right now, on the side of judgment, and God is going to take away the things that they think make them look beautiful and instead are going to bring them low. The blessings that he has given them that they have taken advantage of that they are taking advantage of the poor, we see here. But really, we also know that from previous verses, that this is all their neighbors. All the faces of all of God's people are being ground into the earth. There are a few that are rich, and there are many that are not rich. People have gamed the system. We know what this looks like today, right? People have gamed the system. And everyone is suffering because of it. We could go on, verse 24. Instead of perfume, there will be rottenness. And instead of a belt, a rope. And instead of well set hair, baldness. And instead, it doesn't sound pretty, ladies. I'm, I'm sorry. But <laughs> that's just a picture of a greater sickness that is involved here. Uh, who was supposed to be taking charge? Who was supposed to be taking charge in the garden? Adam, right? And who didn't take charge in the garden? Adam. And who had to take charge instead or thought that she did? Eve. And what's going on here? It seems as though the princes and the rulers and the elders, they're all just off doing their own thing, making a buck where they can, and the ladies are left to themselves, right? Uh, God's people have reversed the way that things were meant to be we go on to chapter 4, verse 1, we see this. And seven women shall take hold of one man in that day, saying, We will eat our own bread and wear our own clothes. Only let us be called by your name and take away our reproach. This is how bad the society has gotten, Right? God married Adam and Eve to one another as a picture of what marriage is to look like, but instead, here, there are so few good men left in the world that women are clinging to, man, seven at a time, saying, Let me have your surname so that nothing bad will happen to me out here. And then, so again, just a reversal. Ladies, he's not just picking on you, he's using this. Dynamic of the society as a picture of the fallenness of the world. Okay, then chapter 4, verse 2: In that day, the branch of the Lord shall be beautiful and glorious. Hold on, we just got done talking about sin. What day is Isaiah talking about now? He's talking about that day that the Lord of hosts has. He's talking about the day of the Lord. In that day, the branch of the Lord. We just heard a lot about a branch and a vine shall be beautiful and glorious. And the fruit of the land shall be the pride and honor of the survivors of Israel. And he who is left in Zion and remains in Jerusalem will be called holy. Everyone who has been recorded for life in Jerusalem, that is highly interesting language in verse 3, right? Everyone that has been recorded for life. Um, It reminds me about another book that's being written in, right? When the Lord shall have washed away the filth of the daughters of Zion, who's doing it? The Lord is. And cleansed the bloodstains of Jerusalem from the midst by a spirit of judgment and by a spirit of burning. Then the Lord will create over the whole site of the Mount Zion and over her assemblies a cloud by day. Okay, verse 5. The Lord will create... He's not just establishing like we saw back in chapter two, verses two through two. Through, sorry, one through five. Right? He's creating. We know what it's like when God creates. He speaks, and it happens. Something is being created here, and over. On this mountain that is being recreated over her assemblies, a cloud by day and a smoke and the shining of flaming fire by night. And we know this all too well, right? Where is this from? This is from the Exodus. This is God's people being freed from slavery and from captivity. And in this day of the Lord, we have a promise here that again, God's people will be freed from slavery, from captivity and his presence will be always visible to them. So in that day when God's judgment comes for all of the sins that God's people have done here also there will be salvation and it will be from the Lord and the Lord will be with his people. There will be a booth for shade by day from the heat and for a refuge and a shelter from the storm and the rain. Just as God is promising to take away all support and supply from God's people, now he's promising that one day they're going to get it all back. One day they're going to get it all back. We have about five more minutes, okay? You hang with me for five more minutes and we'll come to a conclusion on this thing? All right, Get to the point, Wade. Okay, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Let's move on to chapter 5. There's a lot more that we could um, talk about with chapter 4 there. But let's move on to chapter 4. Uh, we're going to see a bunch of woes and wobbles for the... Okay, sorry, no. Woes and troubles for God's people. You get it? Woes and wobbles. I don't know. It was late last night when I wrote that one, okay? Uh, <laughs> judgment is coming. Okay? There are woes and there are troubles for God's people and judgment is coming. We're going to see... uh, No, let's just read it for a minute. Chapter 5. Now, here's what's interesting about Isaiah, because we have some historical accounts in Isaiah, so we have historical literature. We also here have a song that Isaiah has written. Um, So we have music or poetry, uh we also have prophecy or uh what we otherwise call um I'm blanking on the word right now, okay. <laughs> we we call uh man a vision. What is the word I'm looking for? Someone, someone, someone. No? Okay, it's fine. Uh hmm? yeah, revelation. We'll we we'll use it. It sounds much more uh diabolical than that, okay, but that's okay. <laughs> um We have all different kinds of literature here in Isaiah, and here we have a song. Let me sing for my beloved, my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it, and he looked for it to yield grapes. Oh, this is a sweet song but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done for it? When I look for it to yield grapes, why did it yield wild grapes? And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge, so no more security. And it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall. It shall be trampled. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed. And briars and thorns shall grow up. It will also command the clouds that they rain rain, no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are its pleasant planting. And he, he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed for righteousness, and behold, an outcry. What was God looking for? He was looking for attributes of his character amongst his people. He was looking for justice, and he was looking for righteousness, but what did he get? He got bloodshed, and people shouting out because of injustice. We could go on. We're going to see uh, a continuation of sin after sin listed here in chapter 5. We see that there is... um, I was going to say uh, the stealing of land, but that means something different now. This is the, this, the the rich stealing the land of the poor here. And then when it comes time for a certain time of year that God's people would redistribute the land to make things more even, they weren't doing that anymore. We see that there's a drunkenness, that God's people are accused of being heroes of strong drink and being um, like really revered because they can mix alcohol, okay? <laughs> but but what's, that's, that's not good. But there's another sin deeper underneath that that Isaiah is also pointing to, and that is the fact that they are not ready for anything, and they're especially not ready for the judgment that is coming upon them. They're ignorant to God's law. And there's that constant reversal, just like we saw in chapter 4, we saw all throughout chapters 1 through 3 as well, of something good, or what appeared to be good turning into something bad. And and why does that keep happening? Because God's people keep reversing God and His gifts. We see also that uh, people are trampling on the rights of others. People are subverting laws and Accepting bribes and paying bribes to get around the laws. In verse 24, we see again that God's people have rejected the law of the Lord. And then at the end of chapter 5, we read this. He will raise a signal for nations far away and whistle for them from the ends of the earth. And behold, quickly and speedily they come. None is weary, none stumbles, none slumbers or sleeps. Not a waistband is loosed, not a sandal strap broken. Their arrows are sharp, all their bows bent. Their horses' hooves seem like flint, and their wheels like a whirlwind. Their roaring is like a lion. The young lions, like the young lions, they roar. They growl and seize their prey. They carry it off and none can rescue. They will growl over it on That day, like the growling of the sea, and if one looks to the land, behold darkness and distress, and the light is darkened by the clouds. Look, God's people are utterly unprepared for what's coming, and God is bringing judgment from people from outside, unholy people that do not have God's laws from the outside, and the Lord has utterly prepared them to. Call judgment down upon God's people effectively and efficiently. We see here in all these sins that greed has replaced grace. That ignorance and self-destruction has replaced grace. We are so committed to our sins even. We see a description here that we didn't have time to get to that we are willing to unhook a donkey from a wagon, put all of our sin in the wagon, and we become the donkey and haul it around with us. And people keep on thinking that with their entrepreneurial spirits and their know-how, they can escape the judgment of the Lord. Okay. So what's the point? We read here in chapter 5, chapters 2 through 5, a couple glimpses of good news, of gospel, if you want to say it like that. But we see here that our sin is accounted for, that we are judged by our deeds, as Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 2, verses 8 through 11, and that we are judged impartially because of our deeds. As Peter reminds us in chapter 1, verse 14. There is a day coming when these sins, which are already condemned by God, will be met with judgment. The question is, are any of us putting our faith uh, in our skin? In the people that we come from? Maybe in the family that we were raised in, the church that we were raised in. Something that we claim to have been baptized into. Our knowledge of God's word. Are we relying on any of that? Or maybe we're even just relying on a general feeling of niceness that we have about ourselves and others. Or, are we all actively waiting on that branch of the Lord? That true vine that we grow out of? Are we daily turning from ourselves and turning to Jesus? Resting in and relying upon Him that the nations are going to stream to and who is going to make all things new. In these first couple of chapters, what Isaiah is laying out for us is a picture of judgment for our sin. But, God saves sinners. And we're going to see as we continue through this book, that God does save sinners, and he does it through judgment. That might sound cryptic, and that might sound kind of like, wait, I'm more scared today, than I or right now, than I was when I came in here after last week. And that's okay. That's okay. Next week, we're going to see a little glimpse again of what that salvation through judgment looks like. We are reading Isaiah because in it, we find God's law. And we find God's law broken. And really, whenever we see law in Scripture, when we see things that are commanded for us to do, uh, we're asked to hold that up to us as a mirror. And What do we see? Do we see ourselves standing up to that law? So God's law in Isaiah for us is reflecting the broken picture of who we are. But it's revealing to us also what is pleasing to God. Today, in this case, it's the fact that we would not turn away from him. That we would turn to him. And that we would rely upon him instead of relying upon ourselves. Let me pray for us. God, you are perfect in your righteousness. And God, we do fear your perfect justice. Your word stands in front of us like a mirror, and we see our own faces, our souls, filled with sin and with brokenness, and we're constantly desiring to turn away from you. But God, as we see here in Isaiah, that we're not told to turn away from you. That, in fact, we are invited to turn towards you. Seeing your word reveals to us what pleases you and also what disgusts you, what detests you. Your justice and your righteousness, fully displayed, should cause fear, as we read about here in Isaiah. But God, we are thankful that there is one that stands between us in the the mirror of your justice and your righteousness. So that when we look into it, we see only him who lived out perfectly your law who perfectly stands for your righteousness, who was perfectly righteous and is perfectly righteous and acts completely and perfectly justly. God, we thank you for your Son, Jesus. We thank you that He is our righteousness. And we thank you that We do not receive your justice, those that know Christ as our Savior. Um, We receive grace. And it's on our behalf that Jesus received the justice. He died for us so that we don't have to die. And you raised him back to life through your glory and through the Spirit so that we can live and live more fully. God, we thank you for that and we praise you for that. And we pray all of this in the name of your son, Jesus, Lord. I ask that each of us would turn further and further away from ourselves and daily turn more and more towards reliance upon him. Amen. Thanks for listening. And remember that you were brought into the church by the saving work and person of Jesus. Also, that you are sent out to tell everyone about him. We look forward to you joining us for the next episode of Mountain View Scattered.